the Big Church Podcast. Well, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Three of you are great. How's the rest of you? All right, that's much better. Let me get here. I, I'm getting in the habit of turning my iPad on when I get up here because I don't want what happened a few weeks ago. But good seeing you guys this morning. What a day yesterday. I mean... We had a wedding to officiate, so we had to leave. As we're pulling out of the driveway, I'm like, oh, my gosh, they're still, they're, they're parked and lined up all the way out here. But God is doing something big in our church right now. And, you know, I'm not going to get ahead of myself, but a few weeks ago, we, we started talking about being real. And we got up here on the stage, and we, we kind of gave you a vision of where God was taking us. But we also told you where we had been. And, and, and the struggles that were real and the things that we we're going through. And last week... Uh, Pastor Mindy, her fruit message made me, be, made me inspect my own fruit because I knew that my fruit was rotten in a lot of areas. But she did a really great job on that. So we are going to, I believe God is definitely doing something right now in this church. He's pruning. And pruning sometimes, oh, sometimes pruning hurts. Sometimes pruning is, is very uncomfortable when we get pruned. But let me tell you what doing. God is raising up a revival and a church in this time and age that we live in right now. And sometimes he has to move some stuff around. He has to do some shaking up. He has to get some things that were dead and dried up in our lives to a, to a fresh place. We need to be alive and breathing. We need to be moving, and we got to be an influence on this world. The world is trying to influence. The church needs to be the biggest influence. Come on, that's good. I'm going to tell you a little story this morning, and get a little help with Ralphie here. What's up, dude? But I'm going to tell you a story of the children of Israel. And we know if you read the Bible, I mean, that's basically the whole uh, Old Testament, even in the New Testament. But what they had done is they'd come out of 400 years of bondage. And when they came out of that from Egypt, uh, they, they went to the Red Sea. They saw God split the sea wide open. They, they saw miracle after miracle and what happened. But what they did is when they entered into the promised land, they forgot how good God was. They forgot that he was the one that brought them out. Even after they looked and seen a Red Sea's part. Even after he had supplied food to them in the wilderness, they forgot how good he was. Why? Because they, they wanted the blessing more than the blesser. They started looking to their possessions. They started looking to idols. They started looking to everything else but God. So what he does, they forgot. They, they allowed corruption they allowed worshiping to idols. They allowed everything to come before them so that God had to send Ezekiel, who was a prophet. Prophets in those days, most of them were bringing a really hard word. When, they, when the prophet got called in, most of the time, you better raise your eyebrows. You better open your ears because God had something to say. But he calls them in, and he calls, them to be, he calls him to be a watchman on the wall for Israel. But guess what? They wouldn't listen. They wanted to go their own way. So God allowed them to be taken into captivity. And it seemed all hope was lost. It seemed like there was nowhere to go. The title of my message today is Walking Dead to Fully Alive. Let's start with Ezekiel 37. He has this vision. God takes him out into this open place and in the valley. And he sees this vision of a bunch of bones laying out there that are dried up and parched. But 37.1 says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and sat me down in the midst of the valley and it was full of bones. 
Let me just tell you something. Walking with God is not always a mountaintop experience. If you've done this long enough, you know that eventually valleys are going to come. The enemy wants to do this. He wants to keep you on his level. He wants to keep you feeling hopeless. He wants to keep you feeling down. He wants your thoughts to always be negative, And he wants you to always be doing the wrong thing. You know what? He wants you to speak death over yourself. An example of that, how many of you all speak death to yourself each day? Everybody in this room probably speaks some kind of death into their life. And uh, the other day, I caught myself saying something, and I was like, you know, wait a minute now. If my words are power, I'm just speaking that over my life, so I've got to stop doing that. The Bible says this, you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. So, so many times, instead of speaking those words of discouragement, you need to encourage. David said, I encouraged myself in the Lord. So many times we want to speak all that negative stuff, but God has everything else for you. Maybe that's you, but let me tell you what. I got some good news for you today because Psalms 23, 4 says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are a rod and your staff, they comfort me. Have you ever had a valley experience in your life? Have you? Think about maybe a couple, right? I can remember a time in my own life within just a short span of time, I lost my house, I lost my marriage, I lost, I didn't have a car, I didn't have any money, I didn't have anything within probably about a week time. But let me tell you what that did for me. It might sound bad, I started to compare myself to Job, and I was like, oh, I ain't even going there because... Job had it way rougher than that. But what that experience done for me is it made me learn some lessons and get some experience. I had to learn that running away from God was not the answer. Because I, I had wanted to do my own thing, and I had been in church and been doing that preaching. And, but then I decided to go my own way. God said, okay, there you go. I'm going to let you go out there for a little while but I'm gonna reel you back in. And sometimes it's not an easy reel, sometimes it's a crash. Sometimes it's a valley that God has to put you in to get you to the place where you're starting to acknowledge who he was. But what it did to me, it made me move to a higher level. It moved me out of a situation that I probably would not have been moved out of myself. Verse two, he caused me to pass by them Round and behold, there was very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. This is Ralphie. Y'all say hi, Ralphie. Hi, crowd. But we ask, who are these bones? Well, you see them every day. You meet them every day. You encounter them. You pass by them every single day. They're alive, but they're really not living. They may not look like this, but they're empty because they haven't filled themselves up with the right things. They are the walking dead. I know that was going on episode 7,000, but they're the walking dead. They're physically alive, but spiritually dead. What does that even mean, Pastor? Well, good, I'm going to tell you. Before we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are spiritually dead. And I'm going to prove it with the Bible here. Colossians 2.13 says, you were dead because of your sins. That's why you were dead. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ 
with Christ and he forgave you of your sins. That's great news. You were dead and now you are alive. But just like the walk with Jesus is a process, the Bible says also in the last days there'll be a great falling away. That could also be a process too. Sometimes that's not a valley crash and sometimes, sometimes it's just a slow process. Because let me just tell you, those bones that he was looking at, they didn't get die and they didn't become dry overnight. How does your spiritual life dry up sometimes? Because you slowly quit doing the things that you knew to do and before too long, you become numb to it. You become, you just become, it just becomes not part of your life. Sometimes you just neglect the things of God. And neglect just means you fail to look after it. You're, you stop speaking. When your mind starts going somewhere, you, try, you stop trying to renew your mind. So many times, what does that mean, renewing of your mind? That means just speaking something over yourself. As I said with your words, sometimes you've got to renew your mind when those thoughts come and the enemy comes in. He tries to, when he tries to lie to you, you've got to renew your thoughts. Say, no, I'm not that because Christ said I'm that. So many times we neglect those things. And we stop feeding our souls. We stop praying. We stop reading our word. We stop having community. And listen, sometimes it's our own health. Whew. Sometimes I just got to eat better. The body is the temple. And sometimes I pollute my temple with dominoes. Nothing wrong with dominoes. Sorry, y'all. But sometimes we dry up because of this, because of the elements that surround us. Sometimes we dry up because of the relationships that we're in, the relationships that we're maybe not in but we're around. Sometimes the circumstances and the situations of our lives. That's why it's very important to come to church. That's why it's very important to be in a small group. That's why it's very important to be in a group of people who believe those things because you need, we need each other. Another thing that causes us to dry up is exposure. Exposure causes dryness. If you neglect prayer, if you ne neglect the word and community, your own health, what it does, it leaves your mind, body, and soul unprotected. It exposes you to the attacks of the enemy. So many times when we get out in left field, I've been in left field a few times. We get out there on our own, and when the enemy isolates, he dominates. That's Pastor Mindy's favorite one there. Don't say I'm good if you're not good. Because let me tell you what happens. If you don't acknowledge that, you'll never get healed from that. If you don't say that, hey, I'm going through this thing. And that's why you need to have godly and good people around you to help you when you're going through those times. Let's look at verse 3. And he said to me, son of man, I'm slowing down, can these bones live? So I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. God is asking us today. He could have said these bones are going to live, but he wanted the answer from Ezekiel. He didn't, he didn't want to answer the question. God is asking you today, can these bones live? You know why he's doing that? He's wanting to provoke action and stir us for action. He's releasing dreams. He's releasing visions. He's releasing passion back in us. 
Because listen, you know why? Because we need to inject hope. There's an expectation that things are gonna get better. We cannot keep looking backwards. We can't keep looking sideways. We gotta look forward because God is about to do a new thing. You get what you expect. If you never expect anything, guess what you're gonna get? Nothing. We've got to get our expector up and say, God, if you said it, you're going to do it. If you promised it, I believe it. Verse 4. And again he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. What does it mean to prophesy? It means to speak something that will happen. He told Ezekiel to go out here and preach to a bunch of bones. Not really a good audience, would you think? I remember I was singing in a church one time, and gosh, there was a hundred and some people in there. And my stomach rumbled, and everybody could hear it. That's how quiet it was. I wanted to look out and say, can these bones live? Where I was at, I probably would have got kicked out if I did that. But it was so quiet in there. Can you imagine what Ezekiel was thinking? I'm out here in the middle of the desert. You're telling me to prophesy, to preach to these old bones, and that looks impossible. But let me just tell you something. God is looking for available people, not always talented people. He's not looking for all the abilities in the world. He just wants you to say yes to him. That's all he wanted from Ezekiel was his yes. God gave you a voice. And maybe you don't feel, maybe you feel like you're talking to the dead sometimes. Y'all feel like that? Y'all talking to your kids? Are they listening? Maybe you feel like you're talking to your family and to your friends and your coworkers, but let me, just, let me just interject something. There's a miracle in your mouth. There's a miracle in your mouth. You don't have to have a microphone. You don't have to stand on a stage to have a miracle in your mouth. You just gotta keep speaking because somebody is listening. They're listening. You gotta live your life out loud. Don't worry about, you can quote scripture, but if you ain't living your life out loud, you can say that all day long. <laughs> Thus says the Lord, verse five, the Lord to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter in you and you shall live. Look what happens when we go, verse seven. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise that suddenly a rattling of the bones came together, bone on bone. Let me just tell you something. God is releasing a sound. When he was talking about it, he had the disciples in the upper room. He released a sound. It was like a mighty rushing wind. He's releasing something right now, just like he did back then. But I'm telling you, he's wanting to know if we are listening for the sound. It's coming together. It's coming up. There's an army forming. And said, indeed, in verse eight, indeed, as I looked at the sinews and the flesh that came upon them, and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. The process got started, and it wasn't all at once. But let me tell you something. Your restoration requires your participation. You want God to do something, you, gotta be, you have to be an active part in what he's doing. We need to get some meat on our bones. I need to get a little meat off my bones. We need to get some spiritual meat on our bones. How do you do that? Here's a good place to take notes if you're a note taker. Because I'm going to slow down just for a minute. Maybe not. We hear these, we hear these first three all the time, but I'm going to go over them anyway. We've got to pray. 
People talk about, oh, well, what do you, pray more, read more, go to church more. Okay. But you got to pray. And it can't be occasional and it can't be optional. You want to see God do something in your life. We have got to pray. And it can't be a fast one like a monster or a Red Bull to sw- just to get it down, to get it out of the way. We have to pray. There's a, th- there's a difference in praying and praying. And so many times we, we, we say our lay me down to sleep prayer and thank God, hey, Lord, help me with this day. Help me not to kill three people today. We, we do all those kind of prayers, but God says sometimes we need to do intercession prayer. Sometimes we need to be deep-rooted prayer. So it can't be occasional. It's got to be intentional. You need to find a time, a place, and you need to have how often you're going to do it. Number two, the word is important. It's God's word. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, all, say all, all all scripture. You can't pick out the ones you like. You can't listen to the preacher that only preached those those ones. You gotta listen to all of it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable Profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for, connect, for correction, and instruction in righteousness. Why is it important, verse 17, that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work? If prayer and the word are meat on your bones, what happens when you neglect prayer as a follower in Christ? You get malnourished. You start looking a little bit like Ralphie here. When you neglect the things in your life that you know are going to put meat on your bones before too long, this is what you're going to look like. We need to be complete because God needs a whole army. He's looking for to rise up in this day. He can't have a bunch of holes here and there. He needs a whole army. And I, the guy said this at the concert a couple weeks ago. It was really cool. We don't read the Bible to finish it. We read it to be changed. This morning. Ashley read a whole chapter of the Bible, and I got convicted too. It's like, how many times do I read the Bible just to get what I want for Sunday out of it? How many times do I read the Bible so I can get my verse of the day in? You know why the Jewish people, when I was, you were talking about that, Ashley, the Jewish people had to memorize. They knew the Bible left and right. They knew everything because they, they studied it. You've got to let the word change your life, not just not say a checklist or get it off the list. Number three. Hey, I don't know before I go on. Stop. Start somewhere. Sorry, Trey, I didn't mean to tell you to stop, but stop. Start somewhere. So many times we don't know what to start with. Start with a devotion every single day. Start with two or three verses a day. You don't have to read a whole chapter, but you know what? When you will get consumed in God's word before too long, you'll want to read more and more and more. We're addicted to everything else in our lives. Why don't we get addicted to the Bible? Okay, now here's the points that you don't really think about getting meat on your bones. Number three, stop focusing on the past. You can never move forward if you're focused on the past. You can never get to the place where God wants you to be if you keep going back there. There's death back there. Don't let dead things kill what's living. He's he's already already raised you. You've already been given a new life in Christ. Don't let the dead things around you uh, 
kill anything that he's done. Get healing first. Leanne does our inner healing over here, and she's going to do a prayer in just a little while. But get healing first. So many times you can't get past the past because you're not healed from it. So many times we mask it and, and we put a coat around it and, and we, try to, we try to just put it in there. But God says you need to get healed from it. Let me just tell you something. Your sin does not define you. Sin is not your story. Quit letting it define who you are. Yes, you gotta acknowledge it. You gotta repent from it. But you gotta let it go. Let it go. Sometimes you just gotta let it go. Stop focusing. Listen, this is for someone. Stop focusing on your last failure. So many times we mess up, but we start focusing on our last failure, the things that we've done wrong last. Stop doing it. Don't allow what you've done to stop you, to keep you from going where you need to go. And number four, start, this is a good one. This is where it gets a lot of us. You gotta start seeing yourself differently. There's a Bible there's a Bible verse that says, the unspoken commandment, you gotta love your neighbor as yourself. So many people can't love their neighbor, can't love their spouse, can't love their family, can't love anybody around them because they don't love themselves. They keep bashing themselves, they keep bringing up the dead and past things. It's hard to love someone else if you cannot accept who you are. You're going to have a hard time feeling and projecting that out. You've got to see yourself the way God sees you. Listen to Ephesians 2.10. This is where you need, to, you need to memorize this one. For we are his workmanship masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship masterpiece. Sometimes you feel like a color by number, Connect the dot, and God says, I see you as the Mona Lisa. So many times we're flipping the page, we're like, ah, that's okay. That's okay. No, God says, you're a masterpiece. You are fearfully, and you are wonderfully made. You need, you need to quit looking at yourself that way. A lot of times you look at it, you act, you act like a lump of clay. You feel like you're a lump of clay. And God says, I've made you in the image of God. Don't, look at you, don't keep looking at yourself that way. Sometimes you look at your life as a bad story, and God says, I'm creating a new story. I'm actually making a poem out of your life. You just don't know it yet. Sometimes you got the highs and you got the lows, but don't let your story make you see things differently. And sometimes you look at the old song, you keep singing the same old song, and God says, I'm about to give you a new song. He wants to rewrite everything around you because you're God's masterpiece. Number five, and this one's good. Stop listening to the wrong voices. Oh, Lord, do we want to run to people for their opinions and their advice? Dave Ramsey said this, don't take financial advice from a broke people, from broke people. So many times we want to take advice for somebody and they're spiritually broke. How can they fix you when they don't even have their own life fixed? We often take a lot of advice from people who should not be giving the advice. And so many times we get in and we keep going around the same circles. We keep doing the same things. Change who you're taking, who you're listening to. We also listen to culture. 
We live in a world where culture exhausts accolades and how much money you make and what you wear and where you come from and how many followers you have. Your identity does not come from culture, so quit running to it for the answers. Culture actually does this. It attacks people who do not have a strong foundation in Jesus Christ. And let me tell you another one I had to stop doing. I haven't 100% stopped it, but I'm trying. I had to quit watching the news. It changed the way I thought. It made me start believing something that wasn't true. It made me start believing that this was right or that's right. And a lot of times I just had to quit doing it because what it was doing, it was dragging my soul down and I forgot how good God was. All I could see was the negativity. All I could see was all of the stuff happening in life. But you know what? I had to turn that stuff off and say, okay, God, it may all go to hell in a handbasket, but I'm, I'm with you. Let's go. Let's go. And here's another thing. You gotta pray for discernment. You gotta pray for discernment. I need to pray hard for discernment. So you can hear what the voice of the Holy Spirit says. So that when you're getting that bad advice from someone you shouldn't be taking advice from, the Holy Spirit can go, don't you listen to them. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. We have to hear what God has to say. There are, these are all ways to get meat on your bones. They're to build up your muscle. Prayer, word, praise are all God's protein shake. He's wanting us to get more involved in that. Time spent with God is your spiritual workout. Invest more time. But listen, meat, muscles, ligaments, tendons, they're all good, but we need the breath. You... You can have all of this stuff. Let me, let me read 10. He says, so I prophesied as he commanded to, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. When God breathes, a bunch of dry, dead bones form an army. You can have all, everything was out there. They were all put together, but it, it was the breath of God who does that. And let me just tell you what the army looks like. It's an army full of misfits, army full of ordinary people. It's an army of unqualified people. Anybody watching The Chosen right now? If you're not, you need to watch it because it's awesome. But he took 12 unqualified people and he breathed on them in an upper room and they changed the world. Later on in Acts, it says, who are those people that are coming? They, they said, those are the guys that have turned the world upside down. You know what that started? It started with the breath of God in that little room up there. And what, let me just tell you what. God, the world, and you see it now. The world says, RIP, rest in peace to the church. Peace out. We don't need church anymore. But I'm going to let you know that God has an RIP, and it's called Rise in Power. They thought we were dead. Oh, but will you just wait? They thought they'd killed us, but let me just tell you something. The enemy tried to kill me many times, but I'm still here. We're still standing. We're still going forward. God, breathe on us. Verse 11, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. He said, therefore prophesy to them 
It says this, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out. Somebody needs to hear this. And cause you to come out of the graves and bring you into the land of Israel. The enemy wants you to believe that it's all dead and it's all buried. But this morning, I got good news for you today. The graves are opening. Those things you thought were dead, God is bringing back to life. That hope you thought was gone, he's giving you new expectations. The dreams and the aspirations that he spoke into your life, he's bringing them back to life. But most of all, you know what he's doing? He's bringing your purpose back. You know what purpose is? It's the reason you're here. And so many times he tries to attack your purpose. And I'm telling you, he's bringing your purpose back because you are fearfully and you are wonderfully made. You are made for such a time as this. So I want you to grab hold of your purpose again. Verse 14. You're getting all of Ezekiel this morning. I will put my, I will put my spirit in you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it. Jesus was walking through Samaria one day, and he met a woman at the well. And he just wanted to get a drink of water, and she came there every single day to get water. And she'd been looking for something that this water could not quite fill. She'd had four relationships, four husbands, and she was in a fifth one right now. She had filled herself up with the wrong things. And so many times we fill ourselves up with the water of success, the water of money, the water of titles, the water of relationships, and the water of addictions. We fill ourselves up with the things because we're missing something. We still feel like this, even after we've attained it. I can remember, I can remember in my job before, I said, if I can only get here this, this much money. I'd be so happy. I got there, miserable. If I could only get here now, this would make me so much more happy. Miserable. I got, I, I obtained everything that I wanted to as far as money and success, and I still felt like this right here on the inside. But he told the woman, he said, I got an answer for your dryness. He says, I'm gonna give you a taste of the living water. Oh, oh, girl, you can come back here every single day. You can get picture after picture after picture, but it's never going to fill you up. When you start drinking this water, you'll never thirst again. So many, so many messages in this one message. John 4, 14 in NLT says, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, who needs a fresh bubbling spring in them again? Giving, who needs a fresh bubbling up again? I know I do. God says, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. God is breathing new life today, so embrace it. God can take a church that's dying, that has lost its spiritual fire, doing nothing, going nowhere, and making a living and thriving thing. He can take a person that's just basically bored with life, Tired of Christianity, maybe became well, uh, tired and weary and doing good, and restore their passion back to them. Listen, this is what you got to hear right here. He could take a family that's having problems, a marriage that is on the rocks, parents at the end of the rope. Anybody at the end of the rope with your kids? Maybe not. Maybe you all out there. There's hope. Teenagers who won't get along with their parents, he can renew and he can strengthen that relationship. 
He could take a group of people that are drying up and dead and withering away and breathe new life into them. New things are coming to life. The Bible says he'll give you joy for mourning. He'll give you gladness for sadness. He'll give you peace in your chaos. He'll give you beauty for ashes. That's what God wants to do. God is doing a new thing. <sighs> Woo. Let's all stand if we would, please. Can these bones live? Is this you? Maybe this is you this morning. For too long, Christians have looked like this. But what we've done is we've kind of covered it up with good works. We put a mask over it because we don't want to see our real feelings. We slap them, we just slap a smile on our face and say, it's all good. When deep down inside, it's really not. But it's still there. Even after we do all that stuff, it's still there. We still feel empty. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. You're gonna be discontented until Jesus is all you need. If he's somewhere priority 10, you're gonna be discontented. If he's not even in the top five, you're gonna be very discontented. God says, I want you to place me first in your life and let me change everything. Let's let Jesus fill that void. I don't know what the void is you've been looking at, but God's got the answer for it. Start asking him to fill that, and he will. Maybe this morning, we're gonna have the prayer team up here. Maybe this morning, as we have the prayer team up here on the side, you're just feeling kind of dead inside. And the reason you're dead inside is because you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. Because it says that you were once dead in your trespasses and in your sins. But when you made Jesus that, he brought you alive through him. So this morning, if you want to accept Jesus as your Savior this morning, there'll be someone here up here to pray with you. But I also encourage you just to have a moment with God wherever you're at. If you're in the back row or middle, have a moment with God. Today is your day. He's a prayer away. He might be a step away. But I'm telling you, he's here today for you. Maybe you've just been feeling a little bit spiritually dead, basically. You're worn out. You can't move forward. And here's the thing. You really don't know why you're angry, but you're angry. You really don't know why you're feeling these anxious uh, thoughts again, but you're feeling them. You can't quite put your finger on what the problem is. I got news for you. We're fighting a spiritual battle that's going on right now. I know y'all been hearing that for the last few weeks. You might hear it for the next few months. Because we're in a battle for life and death. We're in a battle for the souls of those people out there the people in your family. We're in a battle. And when you go into a battle, our adversary is not gonna go down easy. That's why we're taking some authority over him this morning. That's why we're, we're gonna do the part that we need to do by fasting and praying and, and believing God that he's gonna do something big. Because let me tell you what, he's got something big on the other side of all of this. We're gonna do something. And we're gonna ask Leanne to 
come up. If you need prayer, like I said, the prayer team's up here. But we're gonna pray corporately and she's gonna pray a prayer over us. And I like what you said earlier. You said, it might sound a little bit weird or something. That's okay, we're weird. There are some things in here that we have to spiritually fight. There are some decisions that we need to make in here that we need, we, we need to quit agreeing with the enemy is what we need to quit doing. We've been agreeing with him too long. It's time now we take authority over that. So as we get ready to sing and she prays, these altars are gonna be open for whatever you need, but listen to this prayer. Actually, I'd like you to help me pray to get this started. Um, and the pastors and staff had noticed for quite a while that things have been coming against us. You might have even noticed in your personal life. I've noticed in my personal life, almost everybody on staff has noticed something coming against them in their personal life. So every once in a while, we just like as a church, uh, unified together, take a stand against it and get rid of it. So um, some of this may apply to you, some of it won't. But if it does, just agree in your heart that it goes because you don't want it in your life and we don't want it in this church. And then we'll, we'll do this corporately. So just repeat after me, Father, I repent for partnering in any way with fear, manipulation, control, perversion, and any other spirits connected with Jezebel. Right now, I rebuke these spirits. I renounce them. And I break all agreement and say go in Jesus' name. And don't be afraid of that word Jezebel because in the Bible, if you read about Jezebel, she was coming against the church or against the prophets to shut the mouth of the prophet. And we don't want to be shut down. We don't want our voice to not be heard in this community. And God has a purpose for us. So um, just agree with me now that I, as I pray together as a whole, by the authority from Jesus, and the covering of our pastors, we now cut off at the root fear, manipulation, control, perversion, any spirits connected with Jezebel. Um, and we send you to dry places. Wherever Jesus sends you, you cannot come back. We break your power right now over Big Church. And we call back the assignment in the heavenlies over Big Church and its members. We cancel the assignment that the enemy has had over this place and over our lives. All depression, all oppression must go in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, at this moment, we just thank you, God, for the exchange, the exchange of an increase in trust, an increase in obedience, and an increase in your Holy Spirit power over this place. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message on the My Big Church podcast. We thank everyone who has given to support this ministry. To find out more about how to support financially or more about Big Church, you may visit our website, mybigchurch.com. If you live in the Louisville, Kentucky area and don't have a church home, we would love to have you as our guest at Big Church. We are located at 7209 Faganbush Lane in Louisville, and we have worship services at 945 and 1130 every Sunday. Thank you again for listening to the My Big Church podcast.